Welcome to the Gamers Over 50 podcast. This is episode 68. It's a dark, it's a dark, it's a dark, and it's a dark, it's a dark tower. The title of this podcast is an homage to a favorite song by Bob Dylan. If you don't know it already, I will tell you at the end of the podcast. And yes, it is not a good homage to Bob Dylan. Uh, but to set the stage, really, I want you to think of something from your childhood childhood to say maybe like 18 years or to like 11 or 12, which you thought was amazing. Now, I'm going to go back to like 10 because I just got into everything. But for me, it's so many things. It, it, it's PCs like the original Apple IIEs and the TRS-80s and stuff like that. Uh, movies on a big screen. And I'm, the town when I was kind of these formative years I lived in a town where it was a dollar to go see a movie, which today is like hilarious, right? You can't even buy a, a, a straw for a dollar at the movies. Um, but we could go to the movies anytime we wanted to for a dollar. Well, when we could go to the movies. It was like cartoons, the advent of them. And I actually just saw this uh, the other day is that uh, Ronald Reagan signed legislation or signed an executive order or something that said uh, toy companies could create television programs. So all those programs in the eighties, you can thank Ronald Reagan, especially if you wasted all your time on them, but you have cartoons like, you know, the super friends or transformers or GI Joe or master of the universe. And for others, maybe the care bears or uh, my little pony or something like that. But you had those. And then like models and dioramas. I was so into models and dioramas as a kid. I'm still, I think they're just the neatest things. And of course, games, games, and more games. And I mean, Board games, card games, dice games, video games. I mean, I remember the first time I saw a Pac-Man machine. Blew my mind. Um, but they were all so amazing to me. And I'm about to be 53. And what's interesting is to think back of like those epic games that we've I've played or games that I thought. And I thought back and I'm like, Uno. I mean, I played Crazy 8s before that, but then Uno. Or D&D. Um, you know, Super Mario. Halo. It, they've all been created in this lifetime that I've lived and maybe Uno was created before that, but maybe not. I don't think it was, but there's really one game that I wanted to play when I was a kid and I never got to play it ever got to play it. In fact, I've seen the box. I haven't even seen the inside of the box ever. Um, my friend Wayne has a copy of this, so I need to really be nice to my friend Wayne, maybe get him hockey tickets next year, but it's dark tower. Um, Again, going to pull some stuff out of Wikipedia here as we go through. Please donate. Please, please, please donate to Wikipedia. But what do our friends say about Dark Tower? So Dark Tower came out in 1981, and it's called An Electronic Board Game by Milton Bradley. One to four players. And the, the object is, is you build an army, and you collect some keys, and then you defeat the evil within the Dark Tower. Um, it came out during that role-playing kind of craze like when D&D came out and it just you know a lot of role-playing games and nights and you know movies um, and we'll talk about a couple of those movies as well as some really interesting facts about it but the advertising for this game included Orson Welles and if you've ever heard Orson Welles speak when he was in his his older years past his 30s he had such a deep voice and distinct voice you're right you know and to think that a board game had Orson Welles doing the freaking commercial, this blows my mind. This man is 
stage, screen, radio, Titan. Um, so here's some of his hero facts about Orson Welles since he was so cool to do this commercial. And you can go watch the commercial on YouTube. Just search, search Dark Tower commercial. But in his 20s, this is very interesting, the Federal Theater Project, he did an adaptation of Macbeth with an entirely African-American cast. Think about that. In his 20s. So I think that would have been like in the 1930s. Just let that sink in. And of course, on in 1938, the Mercury Theater, War of the Worlds. I mean, everybody has heard it or heard of it. If you haven't heard it, go listen to it. It's fantastic. And they were doing it on the radio with the basic of sound effects. Obviously, his first film, Citizen Kane, considered one of the greatest films ever. I mean, he did some amazing other films. My favorite, uh, my favorite movie is Touch of Evil, which is very, very interesting. It's Charles Heston, Janet Leigh. He play. He, he was forced to play in the movie. And then my favorite movie title from that from Morrison Wells is F for Fake, because yeah, why couldn't he do F for Friends? I don't know. Um, he was also married to Rita Hayworth. He was a lifelong magician. And one of his product projects projects that he didn't finish was he was going to take Frank Herbert's Dune and be basically Baron Vladimir Harkonnen um, in the movie. So he was he was going to take that and make it in a movie. So there you go. All right. The other cool thing are the people who played Orson Welles, um, and all of them are fully welcome to come on, but. Vincent D'Onofrio, I love Vincent D'Onofrio and everything he does, but he was, he played Orson Welles in Tim Burton's Ed Wood. Lee Schreiber plays an RKO 281 on HBO. So HBO, if you have HBO Max or if you have friends that have HBO Max, make them watch this movie. He explains how he made Citizen Kane. And it's so interesting because of the forces he fought, uh, the Hearst family, etc. but also how he filmed really go see it. Hey, Jean Guerin in Heavenly Creatures. Just trust me on this. Definitely see it. And then Christian McKay in Me and Orson Welles, which includes Zac Efron. Um, I don't know if Zac Efron's a gamer, but it'd be kind of cool. I think my kids would love Zac Efron on there. More of the high school musical thing. So either Orson Welles was paid a ton of money, which he probably was, or he liked the concept of the game, The Dark Tower. Who knows? All right, so let's get back to it. So going back to games before the Dark Tower, there were really only a few games that you put batteries into. Uh, Perfection and Simon were the ones that came to my mind. And I love Simon. I actually have one somewhere. In, I have it somewhere near my desk because every so often if I'm really having a, a, a thinking problem. I just play Simon for a minute and then it just breaks up what's going on in the head. Um, but Perfection, if you've ever played that, that's the game that scares the hell out of you when you're... Uh, because you turn it and it's like it click, click, clicks, so you got to get little pieces in. Oh, it's crazy. But what's really kind of cool about this game is that it was about battery powered and it was a real tower that sat in the middle of this uh, circular game board. And you had basically four areas that you would work and it had, you know, tokens and it had plastic flags and playing pieces. And, you know, it was neat because you had these little uh, cards and I've watched the videos of people playing it little pegs that handle number of like how many troops you have, if you have gold and food. 
The other cool part was it had the neatest kind of keyboard. And we remember these keyboards where we'd touch them and they were like, you could feel like a plastic on them, but then they had a bump. And then obviously there was a sensor below it that you had to really push into. And they call that a small membrane keyboard. So if you've ever remember those and you want to say, look, there's a small membrane keyboard over there. Um, it may kind of freak people out when you say it, but it's true. It's exactly what it is because inside that small keyboard, it controlled into a display cover that had these film cells. Now think of a film cell. It's not, it's not just like a film, but it is a, a thinner plastic and it could be a different color of plastic. And you had these different lights that were mounted below it as well. Um, so it had all a digital LED as well which is really cool. Now you love how I, I think I love, and I love to tell you and hopefully you love to know who the artwork was, but it was done by Bob Pepper. I don't believe he is related to either Sergeant or doctor, but he is kind of infinitely as cool as both of them. Now, the other kind of neat part of this was you had to get these three keys to unlock the tower, a bronze, a silver, and a gold. So if you, if you've ever read ready player one or seen the movie, and they have three keys. Hmm. I'm wondering now. Yeah, think about that one. Okay. But he, anyway, it's a ready player one. They stole a ton of pop culture. Um, and each, you know, each player has to move around the board. You have to get the keys. You have to get reinforcements. And then you battle the tower. And the first player to beat the tower wins. Woohoo. Okay. So I'm going to go back into my time machine now. Dark Tower may have been one of the coolest parts of 1981, but here are some other amazing and incredibly cool things that happen. The movie Time Bandits. Actually, and these are all movie or TV or, or involved in entertainment. We'll go with that because I thought I love entertainment. And there were a lot of kind of crazy things that happened at that time, too. Um, like Lech Valesa was the Time man, uh, man of the Year. If you don't know who he is, check him out. Very nice person, apparently. Um and introduced me to Poland because we had a, uh, a person who came over and lived with us after kind of the whole beginning of the fall of communism, the glass notes. It's very poignant to what's going on in the world today. Anywho, here are some cool things. Time bandits. If you've never seen time bandits and it's T I M E bandits, go watch it. It's on HBO max. And I am not getting paid to watch H say HBO max all the time. It just happens to be there. Um, in fact, the other two things, I have no idea where they're at, but I didn't even look at it. But I saw Time Bandits the other day, and I've watched it so many times. I saw it on the big screen, and it's this British fantasy adventure film written by Terry Gilliam. That Terry Gilliam, if you don't know who he is, go look him up. You'll love that guy, too. Makes maybe you need to keep a, a board. So, again, RKO 281, Orson Welles, Terry Gilliam. But in this movie, it stars Sean Connery. John Cleese, Shelley Duvall, Ralph Richardson, Catherine Hellman, Ian Holm, Michael Palin, Peter Vaughn, and David Warner. And that doesn't even go into the direct cast. These are the people who are in the movie affecting the direct cast. And wait until you meet them. Some of the best actors doing a movie. And I guarantee you I loved it in 1981. I, I love it every time I watch it now. It is just such a good movie. It is timeless. Okay. So Katz, or as John Lovett's character, the amazing Alexander might say, it was better than Katz, or all his audience might say. Um, I don't believe it is better than Katz, but was composed in 1981 by Andrew Lloyd Webber as well. 
Um, and it's actually based on a 1939 poetry collection, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats by T.S. Eliot. So if you're getting a feeling here, right, you got like Orson Welles connected to the Dark Tower. You have, you know, T.S. Eliot creating kind of Andrew Lloyd Webber. You have Terry Gilliam creating this fantasy of time travel and stuff. Very interesting things. Okay, so we've been very highbrow up to now. We're about to drop that down just a hair, but it's the best lowbrow you're going to love. And if you don't know what lowbrow is, it's just cheap, silly, funny comedy kind of stuff. Cannonball Run came out in 1981. And if you've never heard of it, if you're over 50, I guarantee you've heard of Cannonball Run because of the people that were in it. But long before we had Fast and Furious and Fast and Furious X or 10, there's been 10 movies, really. I don't even think I've seen six. Um, I mean, the car stunts are cool, but the acting is, yeah. But before you had Fast and Furious, there was the Cannonball Run. And I believe it was better than all the Fast and Furious. And I, you know what? I love Vin Diesel, Charlize Theron, Selba, John Cena, all the people that are in it. Absolutely. Gal Gadot. I mean, come on. Great cast. But you can't beat this cast of Burt Reynolds, Dom DeLuise, Roger Moore, Farrah Fawcett, Jackie Chan, and Dean Martin. And a lot of those folks are gone. Except for, you know, uh, Roger. Actually, I think Roger Moore. Is Roger Moore? I don't think he's gone. I'm not going to put him in the grave. I know Jackie Chan isn't. But, you know... At the time in 1981, this would be like George Clooney, Adele, Meryl Streep, Matt Damon, Denzel Washington, Javier Bardem. Pick everyone that's won an Oscar over the last 10 years or close. Is A and B people. Um, but the, fa- the film is actually based on a real race in 1979, a cross-country outlaw road race, because that's what we call it, from Connecticut to California. The other kind of fun thing is the music is awesome. The cars are awesome. And maybe the greatest kind of C-level actor who's with Jamie Farr from MASH uh, is in it. His name is Jack Elam. And I loved him. He was in cowboy movies when I was a kid. But when he's in this movie, he plays Dr. Nicholas Van Helsing. Exactly the same namers, name or nam, naming as the vampire hunters. But this Van Helsing is a proctologist and a graduate of the University of Rangoon and the Knoxville, Tennessee College of Faith Healing. That is an actual quote from the movie. So three other things that kind of happened. Back to Dark Tower. But during that time, you know, it was such a cool, awesome game. It's like $100 for the game, too, or more, I think. But I've been really looking to get a copy of the Dark Tower. And I know my friend Wayne has one. And I know my friend Wayne is the nicest guy and would totally play the game with me. But there's kind of a big issue of finding a 1981 Dark Tower. You can't find one that's under 400 that has the box, the board, the pieces, and the tower that works and complete and works. Now, you can find ones with missing pieces or missing for the box or the non-functional tower. And there is the ability to print game pieces, 3D print game pieces, and parts for the tower. And you can buy parts for the tower. And it's not that hard to fix the tower because, again, it was 1981 electronics. It was not compressed micro, micro uh, circuits as well right now. But I really looked at the thought process of getting one just so I could play it. And instead, I watched a lot of YouTube. I watched a lot of other people play it. And I'm sure one day, Wayne and I will get together. I'm thinking I might have to go to his house and like bring this really awesome chicken I had tonight to his house. 
um, and do something like that to play it because it's also $400 for a game that maybe I'll play three or four times when there's so many more games where I might want to get a console. So that game is still so relevant that a working version of it is, and the only one I saw was for 400 and the auction wasn't even close to being done. All right. So let's talk about another Dark Tower, since this is the everything Dark Tower. Um, but Dark Tower is actually a set of novels by Stephen King as well. Uh, it's actually eight novels and one short story, because, you know, that guy writes short stories and they are, I mean, if what's above gold, platinum, I don't know, it's like moon rocks or Mars rocks or something. That's it's amazing. Um, but what's really kind of interesting is, is Stephen King, who I would like to do a podcast with Stephen King, but, it, you know, I think he's just too darn smart for me. And I hate to say that because he just writes amazing stuff. Anywho, um, the genre that he goes into here, and I, 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 right now The Stand is my favorite book, but I'm thinking these eight might really get me, uh, is dark fantasy, science fantasy, horror, and western. And it talks about a gunslinger guarding a tower. And again, there's a the real tower, like in Dark Tower, the game. But it's also a metaphorical tower as well. And it, what's really interesting is it expands on the Stephen King multiverse. So you have the MCU and the DCEU. So now you have the SKMU multi-universe, right? Um, and I think... SKM, either SKM, but SKMU sounds better. But it connects a lot of his other novels in together. Um, 4,250 pages is the way to think about that. And the other books, again, relate to the stories. And, you know, it's inspiring that he could not only do all the other books he's made, but then connect them throw in a book and have it be, I mean, these books apparently are amazing and we'll get into a little bit more cause I'm going to go through a little bit, but it's all inspired by a Robert Browning poem called chilled Roland or child Roland. I think it's chilled Roland as I assume it or chilled Roland to the dark tower came. And, you know, it's, it's basically, think about it like Lord of the Rings. And this is how he, Stephen King kind of put it. He's like Lord of the Rings meets Arthurian legend meets the good, the bad and the ugly are kind of his inspirations. And, you know, Clint Eastwood's man with no name is the protagonist, Roland Deshine, Deshane, I think, I think is Deshine, but in the movie, I think it says Deshane. And, you know, it has these different worlds called Midworld, and it has a unique language to abstract our own, called High Speech, um, which is very influenced by J.R.L. Tolkien. I told you we were taking this up highbrow, getting a little lowbrow off the stuff. But after the software podcast, I felt like we need to get into games, heavy duty. Um, what's also very, very, very interesting is, at, even though I haven't read the books and I haven't really looked at the books as well, uh, I'm going to say this, you know, the, the books are amazingly interesting. It sounds very, very interesting because as I love comic books, Marvel also took these books and created 10 different sets of books based on this dark tower. 
um, the cover art alone is worth looking at them. And I am going to do that as soon as I get myself uh, to a point where I'm not reading or doing a lot of work stuff lately. Um, but the other cool thing is they created a movie and it includes Matthew McConaughey and Idris Elba, which again would have to be in that movie. Any movie that was happening today to be anything like Cannibal Run. Um, but they were expecting it to be kind of the first installment of this movie um, and create, in effect, uh, you know, an entire universe of movies and entertainment from Stephen King kind of point of view. The problem is, is when you take eight books and a short story and 4,250 pages and, you know, you try to implement that into a movie, it's really hard. We've seen that with Tolkien. We've seen that. Uh, uh, with Hunger Games, we've seen that pick something, right? Pick a, a large subject and try to put it in there. Um, and truly, I don't believe this is Stephen King's fault. I don't believe it's the director. I don't think there's anybody involved. I think it's just how Hollywood does things, you know, and they don't want to create a lasting legacy of, of look at this magnificent set of work, these eight films, or maybe these four films or these three films but they want the one film and they want to make a bunch of money. And the movie made money. It made 113 million off of $66 million of a budget. So, you know, again, um, Hollywood, you're invited to the podcast, all of Hollywood. I might have to get a bigger room, but you know, let's try to make things like, let's follow a vision of things. I think, you know, if you watch what's happening in the entertainment industry, they're trying to do that with the doom stuff. So it'll be interesting what happens. Maybe it, there. All right. So back to the game. So we have the Dark Tower board game, and I talked about it being very expensive to try to get one now. There are alternatives. There is a Dark Tower for Android. There is a Dark Tower for iOS. And then there are a couple PC games. Now, I'm not totally sure on the PC games because you can download them, but I don't know if it's a like it has malware on it or anything. I doubt I didn't really play the PC, but I did play the Android and the iOS, and I actually enjoyed them. I'll tell you why I didn't enjoy them as much, because it didn't have the board, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, you know, there, there are other options. Now, the other other option is recently, this millennium, they released a return to Dark Tower. It actually has the tower, too. This one I did buy. Um, but there have been many things, you know, from our adolescence that we can, you know, we really wanted when we were a kid and now we can purchase them. You know, I, uh, I got this cool, like half video game cabinet. That's a lot of fun. I got myself a sombrero. I always wanted a sombrero. I just love it. And I am going to say I got it because of the Cisco kid. And I loved that show as a kid. Oh my God. I loved it. Not as much a Lone Ranger, but definitely a Tonto fan but more Cisco kid fan. And it was for Cisco and Poncho. Poncho cracks me up still. I even watch it now, but yes, umbrellas, Oakley's. Yes. And the Oakley's I got, they look like Guy Fieri's and Guy, you're invited to the, into my kitchen. I'll cook for you. And then we'll play games together. Yay. And I really have a cool recipe that I think you'll like, and I can invite, it'll maybe take you to flavor town. Who knows? Um, but I also have a couple comic books, you know, and I have, uh, you know, I didn't really have the one board game I wanted and I never got a ColecoVision, but you know, for $69.99, I can get a ColecoVision, you know, emulator like my Atari I have, except for it doesn't have the advanced Dungeons and Dragons game on it, but we're going to let that go 
because I want to talk about getting a dark tower. Well, thank you to the folks at Restoration Games and some other folks. I'm going to name everybody because in January of 2020, I saw a Kickstarter notice. And after I had my momentary freak out and went and told my wife, I'm about to fund a Kickstarter because, you know, we really don't buy a lot of crazy stuff sometimes. But I think I saw it on Facebook or Twitter or somewhere. But it was for Return to Dark Tower. Well, inner child, guess what? You are not missing out on this. And I immediately got, uh, I contributed for the campaign and they had two expansions. And as they say today, uh, old man yelling at cloud moment here. Here's the deets. Okay. So Return to Dark Tower is again, one to four players developed by Restoration Games. It is a sequel to Dark Tower and it has players cooperating or competing as they go after a kingdom in their kingdom against the tower and their chosen heroes gathering resources, defeating monsters and enhancing the strength that they can fight. Now, the interesting thing is it's each kind of uh, there's multiple turns potentially in a month and you have to beat the game within several months. Now you can uh, fight things. You can go into dungeons. You can try to recruit people. Oh, it's just amazing what you can do with this. Again, there's the dark tower. There's the mat. It has a Bluetooth app that runs the game. And I say runs the game because you start, you pick out, you know, you hit the random button and it picks out your foes and a secondary level foes, a third level foes, a fourth level foes, and then the one you're going to have to beat to beat the dark tower. It is fantastic. The, you know, the figures are great. The little skulls that they have are great. Every one of the cardboard pieces are great. It's amazing. And we have to thank some folks for this. Okay. So the cool part of thinking of this is the creator of Gloomhaven, Isaac Childress, we talked about Gloomhaven, and the creator of Pandemic Legacy, Rob, oh, Rob, I'm so sorry, Davio, were part of this team. It took three years prior to the Kickstarter to get where they wanted to be with this game. And they, when they started the Kickstarter off, it had a goal of $850,000. They raised $4 million. The eight hundred fifty came in four hours. And the release date did not anticipate COVID. And I will say this, Restoration Games killed it. They did an awesome job of telling us what was going on, sending updates, sharing artwork, talk about, in, talk about in, uh, the supply chain issues. They were an all-star on the communication and delivery. Even after now, I'm still getting alerts because let's say if a piece breaks, which hasn't, awesome. Um, but here we go. Board game and pieces. You know I love art. And RTDT, which is not related to R2D2, but delivers across the board on every piece. And looking at the pieces are amazing. I even took out my magnifying glass and some of the, the smaller pieces. The tower is so cool. It makes noise. It lights up. It internally spins. It's freaking amazing. It has glyphs on it. I'm just, it just blows my mind. It's amazing. The instructions that come with the game. And yes, the instructions, not only how to pack the game, but how to play the game are awesome. Within 20 minutes of unpacking the game, taking it out, taking the pieces out, 
setting them down in their little piles, we were playing the game. And it's a complex game. There's a lot of complexity if you want to win. Now, we've only won one time out of four, which is okay. Um, but the app that you also play with, so you have this Bluetooth app, and I use my iPad on it, is amazing. You battle bad guys on the, the board. You go through dungeons on the board. It fires out events at you randomly as you're playing. You, it, you go through dungeons. It is amazing. The design team of Rob Davio, Isaac Children's, which is really bad because they're, they're the hardest names to say here. Noah Cohen, Brian Neff, Justin Jacobson. Awesome, awesome job. Amazing. This is the kind of board game we deserve. And these guys are pros with restoration. But the illustrators, Tim Burel Sawward, Christina Kalida, I think I said that perfectly right, Garrett Kada, and Jason D. Kingsley are stars because this game is not only functional, it is fun, but it is gorgeous, beautiful. It's a 10, it's a 12, it's a 15 out of 10. We've Again, we've played it four times. We've only won one. This will definitely be in the gift guide this year. You can completely relive your childhood and return to Dark Tower is a great way to do it. If you get a chance to play, it is totally worth it. If you live close to me in the Seattle area, I might feel like showing up at a game place and bringing it out and we can all return to the Dark Tower. Now, back to that song at the very beginning. The song is A Hard Rains Are Gonna Fall by Bob Dylan. I loved doing this podcast, not just researching it, but playing. And I promise we're going to deliver several more of these over the next few months. Thank you. <laughs>